the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. The guy's like, you want some jalapenos too? I was like, sure. I don't eat jalapenos, but yeah, that'd be great. And he gave us like a tray of jalapenos and pickles. And and we sat down and man, we were all in. Why? Because we're in Texas. It's barbecue. I'm not going to order the fruit cup, right? That's not why we're here. I'll eat a fruit cup in Maryland. This crowd, they're fruit cup Christians. I, I, want, I want a little bit of Jesus, but they're not all in. Sadly, many of our churches are filled with what Pastor Dan refers to as fruit cup Christians. People that like Jesus. They're big fans of his. But if you look at their lives, they're not really followers. As long as it fits in their comfort zone, they'll do what he asks. But as soon as it offends or makes them uncomfortable, it's time to back off it a little. No reason to get radical. As Pastor Dan will challenge us in today's message, Jesus is calling you to be a radical, sold-out follower. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 6 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. God speaking, the Lord, Jehovah, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. Uh, Job, another one, Job chapter 19. I know my Redeemer lives and I will stand with him on that day, right? And though my my, uh, flesh decays, I will stand with him on that day and I will stand with God, Job says, his Redeemer, right? But now Jesus is saying in the New Testament, he's going to be the one that raises us up. And resurrect us. Implying what? He's God. He's Jehovah. He's God incarnate. So now look again at the passage. Look at verse 41. We have the response of the crowd now. Then the Jews, meaning the the Jews that are gathered there in the synagogue in Capernaum listening to this. Then they complained. Your translation might say murmur. They began to murmur about Jesus because he said... I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? They begin to murmur to each other. Isn't this Jesus? Isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? What is he talking about? How can he say he came down from heaven? Didn't he come down from Nazareth? Right? And they're kind of murmuring between themselves about this. In verse 43 Jesus, therefore, answered, they didn't didn't ask anything, but he's going to answer them anyways, and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. 
If you remember in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, they murmured about the manna that God had provided for them. And here in the New Testament, the children of Israel murmuring about the true manna, Jesus Christ. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. There, here, there's the resurrection again. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Again, the Father draws us to Jesus. We don't come on our own. The Father draws, and, and we come. And if they're not coming, maybe it's because the Father's not drawing them. And then in verse 47, Jesus says, most assuredly. Now, remember that word, that phrase, most assuredly. Maybe your translation says truly, truly, or verily, verily. What it means is, uh, is what I'm about to say to you is very important. So listen up. Most assuredly, I say to you, look what he says. He who believes in me has everlasting life. He didn't say he who believes in me will have everlasting life. He says, he who believes in me has everlasting life right now. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've taken that step. You've put your faith and trust in him for salvation. You have everlasting life. So that one day you'll get it. You have it now. All of your sins have been forgiven in heaven. And you have everlasting life because of Jesus Christ. He goes on in verse 48 to say, I am the bread of life. And now what Jesus is going to do here is he's going to begin to contrast the, the manna that their fathers ate in the wilderness in the Old Testament with the true manna that he offers. And again, if you remember back in verse 31, the crowd brought up the manna that their fathers ate in the wilderness. And so Jesus is going to contrast the two now. And there's, there's one big difference between the manna that they ate in the wilderness and the manna that Jesus offers them today. He says, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. That's the difference. The manna that Jesus offers is incomparably greater because those who ate the manna in the wilderness died. That manna only provided for their physical life. The manna that Jesus offers offers us eternal life. Those who eat of this bread will never die. He says, I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. Again, he's emphasizing that he came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Jesus tells us this bread that he's been talking about is his own flesh, his own life, his own body that he will give. And notice uh, Jesus said that the bread I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. You should circle that word for there. It's actually kind of an unusual word in the Greek. The word that he uses here that's translated for, it means in place of, in place of, meaning one person does something in place of another person. And Jesus here, uh, what he says, he says, you know, he's going to give his life in place of us, 
so that we can live. The word implies substitution. He's going to substitute for us. And Jesus will uh, give his life in place of ours. He'll suffer and die on the cross for our sins in our place as our substitute so that we can then live. That's what he's saying here. I'll be a substitute for you and I'll die for you so that you can have life. And in verse 52, we have the reaction to this. The Jews, again, that crowd there in the synagogue, therefore, they quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? The crowd at least didn't, you know, unanimously reject Jesus. They didn't all in favor, I. No, they're fighting about it. They're, they're quarreling. They're arguing about what Jesus has said. And they said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? How can this man die in our place and give us everlasting life? And that's a good question if Jesus were just a man. Because a man can't give himself as a substitute for another man or another person. A, a, a man can't give eternal life to another man. But Jesus was no regular man. He was the God-man. He was God incarnate who came down from heaven to die on the cross in our place as our substitute to provide everlasting life for us. That's how he's able to do it. So they're right to think, well, this is just a man. In one sense, they're right. Because a man can't do that. But the God-man can. So... So they they get in this argument here, this quarrel about Jesus and what he said. And I I love here that Jesus, you know, Jesus doesn't try to uh, doesn't try to interject here. He doesn't try to win the approval of the crowd. Um, You know, kind of in that situation, if you say something and the crowd misunderstands what you say and now this argument erupts, Uh, you usually feel compelled to further explain what you're saying or try to, you know, straighten it out so that they understand. Or if you're a politician, you walk it back, right? It's not really what I meant to say. I know I said that yesterday, but I'm not saying that today, right? But what Jesus does instead is Jesus doubles down on a statement. And he says something here that makes it even more difficult for them to understand. In verse 53, he says, most assuredly, listen to what I'm going to say to you. It's very important. I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Boy, if you were confused before, (laughs) let me muddy the water some more for you. Now, Jesus here, of course, he's speaking metaphorically. He's not speaking literally. He's not talking about literally eating his flesh or drinking his blood. He's not talking about uh, cannibalism. If you look down in verse 63, he says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So he tells us in verse 63, he's talking uh, about spiritual things. He's not talking literal here. He's not saying you have to eat my flesh. Here, gnaw on my arm, and you'll have everlasting life. It's not what he's saying here. It's a metaphor. And what he's doing here now, and I want you to understand this, uh, and uh, 
And there, there are other examples of this in some of the Jewish rabbinical writings of them using a similar kind of language here, similar metaphorical language. He's, he's, calling, he's calling these followers to a, a wholehearted pursuit of him. He's calling them to a full commitment. Not, 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 just, not just a taste, but just to really devour. In fact, as he goes through this discourse, he, he actually changes the words in the Greek where he talks about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. He starts to use a word for eat that actually, it actually means, get this, it means to, uh, to eat noisily. You know, like sometimes if you eat something and uh, you just, you know, like, like, uh, like crabs or ribs where it's just messy eating, right? And you just dive into it and you're just eating it and it's loud and it's dirty and it, you know, it's just, I'm in, I'm diving in, I'm all in. I don't care how it sounds. I don't care what I look like. I'm in, right? That's kind of the word he uses. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. A couple weeks ago, my wife and I went down to Texas for a couple days. Uh, And when we went to Texas, I wanted to get some Texas barbecue because I like barbecue. Uh, and we'd never been to Texas before. So we, I did all this research to find the best barbecue place near where we were going. We go to this restaurant, and, man, we ordered, we ordered brisket. You know, I just wanted a sandwich initially, but once we got there, we ordered brisket. We ordered German sausage. I don't even like sausage, but I was like, yeah, give us sausage, you know. We're in Texas, right? This, uh, like, jalapeno mac and cheese with bacon. Sure, I don't eat mac and cheese, but I'll take it, you know. This, this, uh, all this other stuff, you know, I mean, it's just, it looked like a family dinner platter thing that we had ordered just for the two of us. Nobody knew us in the state of Texas, so it was okay, right? And at the end, the guy's like, you want some jalapenos too? I was like, sure, I don't eat jalapenos, but yeah, that'd be great. And he gave us like a tray of jalapenos and pickles, and, and we sat down, and man, we were all in. Why? Because we're in Texas. It's barbecue. I'm not going to order the fruit cup, right? That's not why we're here. I'll eat a fruit cup in Maryland. This crowd, they're fruit cup Christians. I, I, want, I want a little bit of Jesus. But they're not all in. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You, you can't be just the fruit cup kind of Christian. I'll just take a little bit. I like what he's doing. You've got to be all in with him. It's, it's got to be like, you know, I'm not holding anything back. And I don't care what it looks like. And I don't care what people think. But I'm all in with Christ. And so my question for you today is, are you all in with Jesus? Are you all in? No holding back. 
Not just a little fruit cup, Christian. But man, I'm in. All in. That's what he's talking about when he's saying, you got to eat my flesh. Man, you got to drink my blood. It's got to be noisy, right? You just, you got to be fully committed to me. You, you, can't, you can't just have some kind of like casual relationship with, with Jesus. It's not enough to just kind of be a seeker or someone who's just showing up as a fan. That doesn't get you eternal life. That doesn't get you eternal life. And what a waste, man. What a waste if you just kind of show up every week and you're not fully in, you're not all in, you're not fully committed to him, and you do that for your whole life, and you get to the end of your life and you don't have eternal life, but you've spent every Sunday morning just eating your fruit cup? What a waste. What a waste when he's got this feast that he offers us for the person who's all in. And he's calling us to be all in with him, to be fully committed, not just kind of this casual thing. Not just a fan. That's what he says here in verse 53. Again, he says, and he says, most assuredly, listen to me what I'm about to tell you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. If you're not all in with Christ, you don't have eternal life. If you're just a fan, you don't have eternal life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. The person who's all in, they've got eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. The only thing that gives us eternal life is union with Jesus Christ And he requires a full commitment to him. We've got to be all in with him. He tells us these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, well, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And when it says there, this is a hard saying, what that phrase means is this is hard to stomach. This is hard to swallow. It's not that they have no idea what he's talking about or what he's asking them to do or what he's calling them to do. It's not like they're totally like, I'm not even tracking with you. No, what they're saying is, eh, that's kind of hard for me to stomach. You're you're asking me to be all in. and, And that's kind of hard for me to swallow. And so it goes on. Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained. They murmured about this. And he said to them, does this offend you? (laughs) not that he's going to change what he requires because they're offended he says does this offend you does it does it stumble you now is the idea like you you've enjoyed kind of showing up for the show and the entertainment but now i'm asking you to make a commitment now i'm asking you to be all in and and is this stumbling you that i'm i have an expectation What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Jesus Christ 
will ascend after the resurrection. He ascends back to heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And one day, every one of us will stand before him and be judged. And so he reminds them here that, hey, there's going to be a day where he ascends back to heaven and one day they're going to be judged. What then? You know, well, uh, you know, is that going to be hard for you to swallow? Which is, which is harder for you to swallow? Being all in now and having everlasting life or standing before him on that day and him saying, depart from me, I never knew you. Which is harder to stomach? Because that's what's going to happen. So he goes on in verse 63, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life, but there are some of you who do not believe, and he knows it. Isn't it interesting? They're showing up and following him everywhere, but he knows who the believers are and who the believers aren't. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said to them, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. Now look at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Uh, I don't want to do that. You know, I, I like the show. I like the crowds. I like the people. I like coming every Sunday. But I'm not willing to be all in. And so they just stopped following. They left. And then Jesus turns to the 12 apostles in verse 67. And he says, do you also want to leave? You guys want to go too? And look at Peter's answer. Such a great answer. Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. (laughs) Peter got it. He got it. He's he's been talking about eternal life, everlasting life, everlasting life. He's the bread of life. And Peter's like, Lord, you're the one who has the words of everlasting life. Where else would we go? And we, me and the other disciples, the other 12, the, the 12, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ and the Son of God. Of the living God. They got it. Remember John chapter 20 verse 31? This is why he wrote the whole gospel. This is why Jesus is doing all the miracles. To show that he's the Christ. That he's the son of the living God. And the the apostles. They get it. They totally get it. And so verse 70 and 71. Did I not choose you the twelve? And one of you is a devil. He spoke this of Judas Iscariot. The son of Simon. For it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Even Judas, who would betray him, understood who Jesus was. That he was the Christ. That he's the son of the living God. And he alone has the words of eternal life. And so Jesus, in this passage, he makes it clear. He makes it clear that he, he gives his life in our place. He died for us in our place as our substitute. So that we might have eternal life. And he also makes it clear here that, that being a casual follower of Jesus Christ, just kind of being a fan, is not enough to give you eternal life. Going to church, being religious, doing good deeds, none of that will give you eternal life. To have eternal life in Jesus Christ, you've got to be all in. You've got to be fully committed to him. And he knows if you're not fully committed or not. He knows. He knows those who have really put their faith and trust and commitment to him and those who are just kind of showing up. He knows. You can't be half-hearted. you got to be all in. 
not holding anything back. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan as he continued his verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of 1 John. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you never miss an edition of this program. Every time we post something new, you'll be notified. We'd love to hear from you, too, and learn how Ring of Truth has impacted your life. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Please let us know how we can be praying for you, too. And if God's doing something wonderful, we'd love to rejoice with you. That number again to reach us is 410-491-4592. Do you live in the Baltimore, Washington area? If so, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m., for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. Find out more at our website. One more time, that's calvaryec.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Tune in next time to learn more from the book of 1 John with Pastor Dan, right here on Ring of Truth. Rings true.